Well, hello, welcome to Pegasus Radio. Today, I am joined by Susie Bogle, who is the director and owner of a business called Breathing Space HR, who are, as you may guess, a HR consultancy. So today we're speaking about all things human resources with probably three key sectors that we discuss in some detail. One, the furlough scheme, how it affects you, how it's going to change going forward. Two, redundancy, the process. I still think there's a lot of you out there who are maybe not entirely clear with the redundancy process, or perhaps you've not had great guidance from your employer if you are going through a consultancy at the moment. And thirdly, we look at the whole holiday piece and how, I guess, holidays are stacking up and how companies deal with that. This is going to be really useful both for employers and employees to listen to. So I do hope you get some value from it. Okay, let's dive in. Well, hello and welcome. So today I am joined by Susie Bogle, who is the director and owner of Breathing Space HR, a specialist HR consultancy. We're going to speak to Susie about all things HR. So welcome, Susie. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me. My absolute pleasure. I'm sure you're a busy lady at the moment. I think as you were just saying, it's almost like a key service, isn't it, at the moment, HR? Yeah, it does feel like that. Where, I mean, HR people have never felt so wanted in their lives because <laughs> um, we're usually not wanted at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my uh, my next door neighbour's a HR director for a law firm, and uh, we um, we've had kind of social distance drinks with them once or twice, and uh, she's just laughing how busy she is, and also uh, how she like everybody else had to look at what the word furlough meant when it first came out because everyone was like, "What the bloody hell does that mean?" <laughs> like, I, I thought it was, yeah, I thought it was furlong, yeah. as in, you know, a horse, a furlong measure of distance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. There was the first education pieces. What does furlough actually mean and where yeah. does it come from? Yeah. <laughs> it's an American term. Apparently, yeah. I've been told this by somebody. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So how has how lockdown been for you? How's life been for you, Susie, before we get into the, the kind of main bit of the discussion? Yeah, well, I, I'm sitting here in a completely empty office. Yeah. Um, I think we were very lucky because my whole business is set up to be very agile. Mm-hmm. Um, we have clients all over the country and we visit right. those sites. So okay. my whole team is set up just to kind of take their laptops and go home. Right. And that's literally what we did. Mm-hmm. Some people have visited. I'm sitting here because I find working from home incredibly difficult. Yeah, I'm with you there. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I'm literally in command of, you know, a thousand square foot. You <laughs> <laughs> get visitors occasionally. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but no, you, uh, uh, certainly for me, it's all about separation. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm in my office as well. Actually, my office is only ten minutes down, the, ten minutes walk from my home. Nobody else is in here with me. But yeah, I've I've been coming as much as I can just just to give some separation because otherwise, you're working from home, you're living in home. It just all becomes one long monotonous thing, doesn't it? Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I live on my own as well. I'm, I'm just you know a single woman with cats. And as you said in our pre-conversation, was yeah. you know the conversation isn't that good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can imagine that. <laughs> Probably quite grumpy as well. Cats sometimes out. They're just like, oh, stop yeah. talking. I'm not interested. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, Susie, I thought I'd get you on just to, I, you know, I guess there's a lot of. Obviously, like we said, HR is very busy at the moment. There's a lot of a lot of things happening at the moment. I think with the changing the furlough situation from this month onwards um both in terms of the flexibility of the furlough scheme but also the fact that the costs increase for companies going forward after this month don't they so uh, yeah, i want to discuss that with you discuss the fact that there's quite a lot of redundancy 
likely to take place off the back of that. So just, just maybe understand the protocol and the process. I think some people are just still not entirely clear about the process with redundancy. So I think that'd be useful just to understand. And then the last thing I was just going to ask you about, just to get your views on from a, a company perspective as much as anything else, is, is this whole thing about the fact that holidays are accruing and accruing and accruing. And of course, there's a danger that everyone's going to want to go on holiday towards the end of the year. And that's going to have its own impact, I guess, on productivity. So yeah, to yeah. get your view on that as well. Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, I'll start with furloughing. So obviously, I believe from the 1st of July, more flexible now. It is more flexible, but people have had to have been furloughed for at least three weeks in the previous period to be eligible. So we had a lot of clients kind of doing a bit of scrabbling in the, in the last month uh, yeah. because that was that, that, that month where you could suddenly somebody gets furloughed um, so that they could flexibly furlough in, in the future. Mm. So the whole idea is really around um, people can work and get paid, but for the days that they should have been working normally, they can still be furloughed. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the government will pay 80% and then that goes down in August. No, it stays in August and then September it goes down to 70 and then 60%. And then, it, sorry, I'm looking at my, my documents. No, that's fine, that's fine, yeah. <laughs> and the research, um, <laughs> it goes down to 60%. Uh, until October when it actually finishes. So it's not the case that furlough will cover them when they're working. You, mm. you still have to pay them full time. But yes. I quite like this. It gives a gradual creep into normality because I think um, we're seeing furlough as a real crutch yes. now. Yes. And businesses are changing. Yeah, yeah. And in certain cases, sometimes they're, they're actually being profitable as well, still profitable. So yes. that's the wind down. Yeah. Um, um, there's been a bit of alarmist stuff in the papers and on LinkedIn um, previously about the fact that if employees are due to be made redundant, mm. which, to be honest with you, there's going to be a lot, yes. an awful lot. Yeah, sorry, um, sorry, yeah, yeah. The, the government is going to come after the furlough payments mm-hmm. and ask them for them back. Mm-hmm. It, we've taken legal advice and there's been lots of you know top legal people saying, calling BS on that one. Right, okay. It's misinterpretation of the Treasury direction. And what right. it really means is that you cannot have people, um, you can't cover under the, the scheme uh, notice in lieu payments for statutory redundancy or any other redundancy pay. So that's actually what that, that paragraph is about. There is no intent, and it would be an absolute climb down of the government mm. to ask for this back because... The whole point is to save people from redundancy and keep businesses going. Yeah. But there is a recognition that businesses are going to change. So, so to on that bit you just said then, Sue, so I understand. You mean that if a company gives somebody notice to leave, whether that be redundancy or otherwise, they can't use the furlough scheme to pay some of that notice period. They have to pay the notice period separately. Is that, is that right? Um, well, it's whether the, work, the, the notice period is worked right. or not. So okay. notice in lieu means that you you terminate and you get paid your contractual notice yeah. or statutory notice. Mm-hmm. But if you're requiring them to work for that period, mm-hmm. then you can still claim on the furlough scheme. It's about keeping people in work um, okay. for as long as possible, and that's the intent. Okay. So somebody could make somebody redundant or, 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 or let them go during the furlough period? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, okay. and we're doing that now. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So a question I had, uh, but probably more, probably more specifically for my business, but I guess it affects other businesses. Let's say I bring somebody back three days a week, and let's mm. say for argument's sake, 
for argument's sake, they say it's Thursday, Friday, and Monday is the days I'm going to start bringing them back through July. So traditionally, because obviously a lot of my so my consultants are get paid, but they also earn commission. They'll they'll work all sorts of you know crazy hours. They, they, they may work over the weekend. They may work beyond the typical kind of nine to five day. How does yeah. that work in terms of the government allocating furlough pay? If that makes sense. So I get that the furlough yeah. will be covered for Tuesday and Wednesday. But say our people say, right, I want to just do some research on a Saturday, because technically that's not contracted hours, but they do work it. How, how does that all work? Is that, is You've that... said the, the main thing there, it's about contracted hours. Yeah. So uh, in every contract, uh, you should describe at least the amount of hours. And by the way, the law has changed on the 1st of April, so there, you have to describe what days right. and hours within that they're actually right, working okay. now. Okay. Um, so if you didn't know that, you need to change your contracts, basically. Yeah. Okay. Um, so how does that work if, out? Sorry, Susie. How does that work out in terms of because they used to do that that um, the European uh, mandate around you have to sign off if you're working more than forty eight hours a week, or are you willing to? Is that is that part of the same discussion? No, or? no, no. It's not. Um, okay. It's it's a change in April. Though the law changed on what you actually put in your contract of employment and how right. much information you give an employee in writing okay. from day one of employment and that's the other change okay. so fundamentally you most organizations will say you're working 40 hours a week you're contracted mm-hmm. to that mm-hmm. in a business like yours um and frankly in mine as well people mm-hmm. put in extra hours yeah but that's either overtime or unpaid mm-hmm. to be honest yeah yeah how the furlough scheme actually works is that it's about the contracted hours mm-hmm. So if you are working, as you said, uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, mm-hmm. that's three over five yeah. that you have to pay yeah. and two over five that you have you can apply for on the furlough scheme yeah, okay. and stuff. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah, no, perfect. Okay, fine. Uh, and, and so coming back to if they decided to work extra hours, let's say over a, a Saturday or Sunday, because I think, I think what may, is making a lot of employers nervous um, well, well, I've had, you've got two camps of employers, haven't you? You've got some who are just downright scoundrels who are making people work whilst, in theory, getting money from the government, which is which is which is fraudulent and, and stupid, and hopefully it bites them on the backside later down the line. But then you've got others who are trying to make sure we do everything right. Mm. As I say, so for example, if somebody wants to work additional hours beyond their beyond their allotted time, um, so let's say say a Saturday, I think companies are nervous about making sure they don't step over the line and say, okay, well you are or are not allowed to do that. Well, it's, it's about would you normally pay that person to do those additional hours? No. There's your answer. Yeah, okay. In every organisation for decades, people yeah. have put in more effort for what they actually get paid for. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Everybody yeah. worked to the contracts. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of businesses would suddenly discover they need 1.2 people. Right, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. people to do the same job because yeah, somebody's sure. actually working to rule yes yeah yeah, yeah. Um, as business owners you know I, I take it with with a lot of gratitude yeah, and yeah, give back in another way yes yeah absolutely um, absolutely and, and frankly, you know, I can't stop my bloody team from doing it <laughs> well, I think that's a lot of people have that a lot of business have that struggle don't they I think generally speaking Okay, look, I think that I think we've uh, we've kind of dealt with that one. So redundancy is obviously the thing that unfortunately is now starting to loom quite quite heavy. And I was saying before we started uh, started recording, Susie, about my confusion about I always understood it that if it was over a certain number of people in a company, then that would dictate a certain number of consultation days. 
But mm. I understand from hearing what some companies are doing, that it's actually down to individual office size as to the length of the consultation period. You mm-hmm. can kind of talk us through that. It's um, I don't know whether they still use this, but when I was a redundancy expert at mm. GE right. many years ago, we called yeah. it an establishment. Right. And it has a geographical context and also um, a work-related context. Okay. Simply, over 20 staff, you have an obligation to consult and then over a certain you know, I think it's 99, then it becomes three months in which you have to consult for. However, if you are making redundancies in a particular location, mm-hmm. for example, in Leeds and Sheffield, yeah. you have two and you want to make redundancies in both. Yes. Because of the traveling time and the geographical location, you can treat them as two separate redundancies. Okay. So you might have you know, 25, let's make an even number, 28 people. Mm-hmm all together, mm-hmm. 14 in Leeds and 14 in um, Sheffield, mm-hmm. then you can take those as two separate redundancy processes. Okay. So if it's under 20 people, the mm-hmm. obligation to consult is for as long as reasonable. So for example, I've done as little as three days consultation for mm-hmm. one person. Okay. But uh, rule of thumb, a week for a couple, two weeks for, you know, anything up to to 10, maybe a month up to 20. But legally, you're not obliged to have that, that longer time scale. Oh, if you're not? Okay, right. So I, 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 I had it in my head that it was 30 days. I think, is it over 20? Mm-hmm. And then I think over 145 days. Is it? I don't know if that's the numbers. Uh, I 90 days, I think it yeah. is. Okay. Right. Um, it's quite a big leap. Yeah. Um, but under 20, it's just for as long as reasonable, but you can't not consult okay. at all. And, and that is just the people, when we say that number, that's just the people who are, who, who are under consultation as opposed to the whole office size. Yeah, absolutely. It's only for the affected employees, right. i.e. the pool of people that are at risk. Yeah. And another key thing is the point of consultation is to have a discussion and an open discussion on mitigations and ways to save jobs. Mm-hmm. So you should always use the language of mm-hmm. you are at risk Mm-hmm. This is a proposal, not saying you are being made redundant, we are making redundancies, because that makes it a foregone conclusion. Mm-hmm. And then consultation is meaningless. So you, you've got that yeah. effect as well. But let's face it, I think, um, and this may be controversial, but I, I, from everything I see, and I've obviously been recruiting 20 years, so I've seen, you know, been through lots of economic cycles now. The reality is companies know exactly who they want to make redundant, I would say, in the in the vast majority of cases. Constant battle. Actually, I was yeah. discussing it this morning, and seemingly this uh, outplacement consultant, mm. um, somebody who looks at CVs and helps people transition, yeah. you should know exactly what that is. Sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's fine. The choir. She was saying that this HRD used to come in with a list of hit list of people. Yeah. And that's appalling. Yeah. Um, but it's natural for the brain to go to... Uh, individuals in roles rather than talking about roles themselves so mm. you've got to focus refocus the manager and to say you know what roles are going mm. and um we as hr experts here we're constantly doing that saying no mm. talk about the roles mm. and even bringing leaders back to okay so what does your organization look like now mm. in terms of job roles titles you know your, your organization yes. chart yeah, yeah, yeah. Now draw the new one. Yeah. And don't put any names in. Yes. And then you, we work from that that principle. Yeah. Because then you've got this nice visual going on of 
past to future. Yes. And then also it provides a very solid business case Mm, and it it provides evidence that you're not looking at getting rid of your poor performers, your people who are just sitting on furlough Mm. and your conduct issues. Mm. I've actually had a conversation with a manager who thinks that they can just make people redundant from the pool of the furloughed employees only. Mm. No, Mm. you've got to consider everybody who works in that department Mm -hmm. organization in that particular role so it does get pretty complex yeah and what's Uh, that process is that that a based on obviously based on the i guess based on obviously the role they're fulfilling and whether that role is physically redundant because whatever there's no fee level attached to it anymore in any case of the kind of clients i work with fee level it's redundancy is about the work Mm. if the work ceases a redundancy exists mm-hmm. that means also that the work can be reduced over a, a number the work can be put into other roles okay, for yeah. example yeah, yeah. It, you know you've, you've lost 70 percent and you've still got 30 percent to go you can put that into other roles it doesn't have to have a you know 100 percent drop in work there's many many ways around it and actually we what i've done is i've put together a redundancy pack so what you get in that is all your templates mm all your FAQs, your selection pools, but then also you get email and phone advice from an HR expert. Mm -hmm. So that is a one-off package. And to be honest, I think I'm selling it too low. It's only five, just under 500 quid. Right. Really focused on under 20, but the reason why the price is so reasonable is because people are being made redundant for a very good reason. Of course. There's no money coming in to pay. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So, just taking a bit of social responsibility there. No, too. that's great. And certainly if anybody's listening to this podcast once, obviously we'll, we'll put at the end how, how they go about getting in touch with you, Susie, actually. So some yeah. maybe take you up on that if, if they unfortunately need to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'm always available for a quick phone call and a quick chat. So. Right, right. So in a scenario, Susie, where you've got like, you've got a number of people who are all fulfilling the same role and mm. the company wants to make, or needs to make a certain amount of those redundant. Mm. What is the process a company will typically go through to identify of those 10 people three of which need to get married redundant how do they identify which of those unlucky three given that they may all be doing the same role potentially working for the same end clients or clients how, how what's the because i think a lot of people are dubious that in most cases companies decide right we want to get rid of these three so we'll, we'll put this group at risk and we'll orchestrate so these three go what's yeah. the what's the pro what's the what's the official process in terms of how, how companies should work that bit out yeah there is an official process and, yeah. and- Frankly, HR people are very good at ensuring legal processes are followed, but getting to the business aim. There are many, many ways to getting a result. Um, And whoever you employ should have that commercial point of view. Not to act illegally, but to Mm -hmm. ensure the business gets the result that they want. So what we're talking about is selection pools, Mm -hmm. So, which is actually based on the data that you have in place on your employees. So most employers will come into a cropper because they don't have proper absence records. um, They don't deal with their conduct issues in a a formal way or even in any sort of evidence. They don't have any appraisals or performance Mm. management, no development no understanding of what their skill sets are. So it becomes an uphill struggle to actually mm. even apply what we call a selection criteria, uh, yeah, which yeah. is usually performance, absence, conduct issues, mm. disciplinary, not grievance. Yeah. 
Mm. And length of service used to be in there, but that's debatable on what we can do with that one. Okay. Obviously under two years, just, you know, notice, Mm. outstanding holiday pay, bish, bash, bosh. Yeah, yeah. But you've got to evidence what's behind it and then Mm. you score it. Mm-hmm. And you can weight it according mm-hmm. to what's most important to your organization. So, mm-hmm. for example, you might weight no disciplinary action mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as plus 50. Right. But absence as only plus 10. Okay. As a, a, a formula. Yeah. Okay. Which is really what you should be doing anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and that's part of our package. So you get all that advice on how to put a selection criteria together. And also, we would check it for you okay. and send to check it to make yeah. sure it's robust. Okay, okay. Because to be honest, it's the first thing anybody's going to look at when you're in, in tribunal. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, have to, you have to make sure you wonder that there, there isn't more tribunals than there is, because you say some of it just so it seems quite... When you hear of some people leaving businesses, you, you often see there's a, there's a definite theme as to why certain people have been have been maybe done that unfortunately and you do wonder why my walls do not push back in terms of going down the tribunal route i guess that's often because the the, the i's and t's have been dotted and crossed i guess to make sure there's no comeback and also it's the reputational damage against the individual mm. you know not saying that there's blacklisting going on that's sure. something that has been absolutely dealt with in construction but yeah, yeah, yeah. nobody wants to rock the boat mm. in that way yeah, yeah. um and then obviously we handle settlement agreements for clients. Mm. So, and there's also, before you even get to tribunal, mm. there's early conciliation. Yes. And you can put a monetary, thank you very much, you're not going to take us any further mm. on that. But that's not recorded in the same way tribunal cases are. Okay. So there's a lot going on behind the scenes. Right. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. don't equate to the actual data that comes out from the government. Yeah. Okay. And I guess the last question about redundancy, because I often find there are certain people like I'm speaking to at the moment who are, who are under risk of consultancy and, and they know full well that they're going to get maybe redundant. Either it's because there's a whole team that are, made, that are under redundancy and they know maybe the client they were servicing stopped at any work. So they know there's no fee coming. We know we're going to get maybe redundant. Do companies have to buy, buy a legal um, stipulation have to stick to the consultation period because I think a lot of people, if they were, if I was, if I was on the risk of being redundant, maybe redundant, I'd just want to know. I, w- I wouldn't want to drag out thirty days because it's thirty days of no sleep, you know, panicking. You know, surely if you're if you're going to be maybe redundant, you'd like to know, wouldn't you? Yes, of course. Exercise any investigations within the business to see whether you can move to a different department or relocate. But if you all know that's not going to happen. Do, do companies have to stay to a stipulated amount of days depending on the size of the team that's under consultation? To be honest with you, I'd say not. Okay. Dealing with a team is yeah. much more difficult because what you want is mutual agreement yeah. and in writing. Yeah. You know, reducing a, a consultation period because the employees asked you to do that okay. um, and having it in writing that they require, requested more yeah. information than you were able to give. Right. It's a dangerous ploy. Okay. And only should be done under advisement. Yeah, okay. Um, and most HR consultants will say, no, you can't do that. Right. But uh, there are ways and means. And also there's a rule here, you know, happy people don't go to court. Yeah. Simple as. And yeah. it's a really good rule in employment because who is going to take you to court? Your mm. employee. Mm. If they go away happy 
feeling as though they've been treated in a respectful way, mm. um, being given the tools to go and find another job, outplacement, mm. etc. Mm. Being introduced to people like you. Yeah, yeah. But I've had recruitment teams come in on redundancies mm. and sit with the the the, the affected individuals mm. and basically find them new jobs. Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. A, you know, and I, as an HR manager in the corporate. Mm. I would pay for that service. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the recruiters would get their fee from the other side as well. Sure, yeah, double win. <laughs> Sadly, there are not that many jobs out there at the moment. But, but, but more the, the kind of period of consultation is not necessary for, I'm not necessarily talking from the employer's benefit, I'm talking from the employee's benefit in terms of, yeah. say, if I was being ready to do that, I just want to know so that I can plan yeah. my life accordingly and start to make adjustments. I know, it's, it's you're in the, the employer's in the catch-22 because yeah. the common question is, well, when I hand over the invitation to consultation, they're going to ask me, what's it all about? Yeah. And I have to say, wait and see yeah, for yeah. 48 hours until I actually get into that meeting. And I'm, I'm saying, unfortunately, that's the law. I know that there's a lot of undercover stuff that mm. goes on. Sure. But you have to be confident of knowing what the rules are mm. in order to not break them, but bend yeah. them to the advantage of your employees and that relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a nice little tightrope, which we navigate every day, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure, yes. At the end of the day, the, the whole redundancy process is painful for everybody concerned, isn't it? It's not not nice for anybody, whatever side of the fence you're on. It's, um... If you view it as a, a change process, yeah. rather than, and this is from the employee's point of view, yeah. um, and if you, as the employer, make it, you know, mm. all that supportive way mm. and say, this is just a change. This is something that it's not the end of the world. It's not yeah. the end of your life. You will recover from this. Yeah. This is temporary. This is really horrible, mm. but we will help you find something else. Yeah. And if you start that early in the conversation, usually by the time they're leaving, they've got another job or they're leaving early. Okay. Yeah. No, good, 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 good. Okay, I think we've done redundancies to death there. Um, so, so yeah, the last one that I'm conscious is, is a kind of, obviously, as we're hopefully coming out the other side of this now, businesses start to get busier. Uh, one of the things I'm conscious that is kind of building up for a lot of businesses is holiday entitlement. Because obviously, nobody's been taking any holidays. So, so everyone's accruing more holiday. Is there a kind of pragmatic and sensible approach that companies can take with employees to kind of find some middle ground, say, look, we can't give you four weeks of holiday in the last six months of the year because mm. it's going to screw our productivity up. Is, is there any oh, yeah. pragmatic, sensible strategy around that, do you think? Yeah. Uh, employers forget that you can ask people, your employees, to take holiday. Yeah. And okay. they can be furloughed and take holiday. Yes, you'll have to pay 100% of that. Okay. But you're not stocking up for, for later. Mm-hmm. Our clients, we were talking about this actually in May with them because mm-hmm. we were thinking of the impact in the first six months of the year. Mm. So we were asking them for, okay, what's your holiday outstanding? Mm. Let's get this balance down to at least mm. they've taken their six months mm. up to this particular point. Mm. And that's worked really successfully. And employees have actually been very, very open to that okay. um, because they realize that actually I need to take a bit of a break or I want 100%. And I know that I've got all this work to do when I get back mm. or, mm. you know, when. I can't take my holiday. Yeah. There's also a relaxation on carryover. Right. So you can extend carryover from this year for the next two years. Okay. So for those who haven't been able to do that mm. and have built up 
this bank, mm. you can actually carry it over to the next year and even to the, the year after that, but not any further forward. Right. So it's about it's basic management, but understanding that you can require people say, I need you to take holiday now. Right, okay. And you can ask people to do that even yeah. if they're okay. Yeah. Yeah, so people forget that, that, to be honest. Yeah. Right. So um, it's not the employee's choice as to when they choose to use their annual holiday. No, well, it's obviously they it, it's all about request and authorization. Right. So even if they request it, you can say no. Mm-hmm. Funnily enough, people forget about that little uh, piece as well. Yes, yeah, yeah. But then you can also say, I'm giving you two weeks' notice of uh, a week's holiday that I need you to take. Mm -hmm. So you can do it as well uh, as an employer. Um, And that can include furloughed staff at that point as well? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Although you have to pay them full 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 time. Full time. You can't put it through the furlough. Okay. Okay. Yeah, okay, that's good to know. Okay, perfect. That makes sense. Perfect. No, that's good because I'm sure it must be an issue that's building up for a lot of businesses and now probably starting to panic because they've not exercised any of what you just advised to do and that's why they need a HR advisor in place. Um, and I'm sure they're building up now thinking, holy crap, now that we're starting to get busier and we actually do need our people back, suddenly we've got all this holiday that everyone's going to start taking, which yeah. is going to cause us, you know, utilisation issues. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, we're aware of that. So, mm-hmm. you know, we've covered our clients on that one. Yeah, okay. And just jumping back to the furlough thing, actually, a question I did forget, but it's similar on a similar point. And again, some people are asking me this. Is there, a, is there um, either a legal requirement or, I guess if not legal, there's an ethical requirement for companies to give people notice before they come off furlough? Or, or can well, they say, right, we need you back, we need you back tomorrow? <laughs> and that's, um, that's your furlough ended. Um, it depends on how you've written your, your furlough agreement, because actually yeah. you need to write a furlough agreement and get yeah. mutual consent to send them on furlough. Yes. If anybody needs that, we've got templates which we're giving away for free because we know, well, it's just my social responsibility, to be honest. So we've got all of that, but you can actually ring them up and say, come back to work tomorrow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. They can't say, oh, no, I can't come in. Yeah. Difficult, isn't it? Though it's, it's difficult, isn't it, from a personal perspective? People have got like you know, let's say, young children, and, and obviously they're always relying on their grandparents. Let's say the grandparents are over seventy. Yes, uh, where, yes. where do you leave your kids with it? So it's a challenge, isn't it? So I think yeah. sorry, I'm to... being a hard ass HR. <laughs> <laughs> they're not not thinking about the employee, but yes, obviously, yeah. more notice is better. Yeah. And if there are constraints around childcare and everything like that, yeah. be as flexible as you possibly can. Yeah. Also, a lot of people are frightened about public transport. Yes, yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Um, so the mental health issues, in a matter of fact, are going to be more prevalent. Um, that's why we keep on talking yeah. about mental health. And I think yeah. in construction as well, there is a, you know, some resistance to talking about mental health. Yeah, um, we have construction clients. It's mm-hmm. difficult to sit down with their load of brickies and talk yeah, about yeah. mental health. So... Yeah, no, we need, to, we need to tackle it, don't we? As a you know, a society, we need to tackle it more, don't we? And talk about it more. And I guess, lastly, what's your view of how I guess the work environment will change over the next you know six months to a year, Susie? You know, obviously, you hear all these experts telling us the office is dead. I can't believe it. Frankly, I think as me and you were saying, we're both ready to get back in the office, aren't we, full time? So, what's your view of that? What's what's what are your clients saying? You know, have you got any kind of view in your HR capacity what companies are saying and what your view of life will be going forward? Well, it depends on the, the industry and what actually mm. has to happen. You know, and you, mm. you need people on the ground to do certain things. Mm. But 
in a way, the office is not dead mm. because we have to meet as teams. Mm. It's not the same as Zoom. No, um, I miss my team very mm. much. Even though I run an agile office, I require everybody to be in on a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. They might pop out and work and from clients, but sure. I want to see everybody here mm-hmm. if they're not on holiday. Yeah. Um, because of that social connection, that, mm-hmm. that need to have a team. Mm-hmm. Yes, people are going to request more flexible working. Mm-hmm. And I know some of my directors are a bit, because mm, there's a loss of control yeah. Yeah. in terms of now I have to trust somebody. Yeah, yeah. But it's a viewpoint of work. It's being less input-driven yeah. and output-driven. Yes. Yeah, so what, what do you want? You want the goal done. Mm. You want the time scale done. You want everything done to a certain quality. Mm. Yes, there's a bit of how we get there. Mm. But trust your people to get there. Well, logically, most companies have had to because over this period they've had to work from home. So I think that's the argument that most companies have, 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 or most employees have proved they can work from home quite successfully. There's that debate about you know how much do I need to be in the office? Um, you know, it, I, say, I think all, all of my team, all of my team want to be back. You know, they're all desperate to be back in the office. But you know, equally, all of my team have got maybe a 10, 15 minute commute to the office, so nobody's mm. nobody's got a big commute. But you know, certainly it'd be interesting. I think you'll have two two camps where you'll have one camp who really have enjoyed home working and want to keep it that way. The other half will be like, get me the hell back in the office. Yeah, yeah, ditto. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's going to be much harder to refuse flexible requests now. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is right, isn't it? Hopefully, that should be the way it should be at the end of the day. You know, as long as the you know employees approve themselves, then they should be given some degree of flexibility to get on with the job and, and be treated like uh, like adults, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it, you can trial things. Mm. You know, so we'll try it for, you know, three months see if mm. it works for you see if it works for us mm. um you don't have to permanently say you can do this mm. um so you know there's there's ways and means yeah. for everything right. um, and opening the conversation is the best thing you can do yeah perfect <laughs> susie that's been great thank you very much is there anything you want to obviously i'll, I'll come on to how people get hold of you in a second but is there anything you want to add before we before we close up Remember that um, we've got the the free templates. Yeah. Uh, remember, we're here to answer. You know, the five minute questions here and there. Happy right. to to help out. Um, but yeah, everything is solvable. There's a solution right. to everything. That's a good. That's a good final answer to end on. And I just echo that. You know, I've I've kind of obviously me and you've known each for quite a few years, Susie, and you you've always been really helpful to me whenever I needed a quick question answering. So I'd. I'd I completely echo that to any of the listeners that absolutely you're, you're, you're more than willing to have, have those conversations. And so what's your kind of ideal kind of client base, Susie, in terms of the kind of size of organisation or the types of organisations you deal with? Um, um, I'm sure anybody wants to reach out to you. We have clients all over the country from Granton okay. on Spay in, in, in Venetia, I think. Oh, Aberdeenshire. Okay. Um, down to Southampton. Right. Everywhere in between. Ooh. The sweet spot is around 60 to 100 employees, doesn't matter where they're located. Okay. Um, but we do deal with two men, you know, you've got one employee and yeah. our largest client has 400, nearly 500 employees across 10 sites in the UK. So our sweet spot, we talk about in terms of the numbers of employees. Mm. And the one thing that I would suggest is have a look at our website yeah. because we're transparent on price. We're okay. transparent on package. Um, so before you even call us to find out, you will know what what we do and what your price expectation is. Um, 
obviously we give discounts to charities and I know you're predominantly in construction. Yeah. Yeah, we know about you guys. So, you know, industry doesn't really matter to us. Okay. You know, the tiny companies you talk about there, would they not have an internal HR function or I guess the, your larger client, 400, must have a, a, a HR function? We are their HR function. Really? Wow. Okay. Totally outsourced from strategy wow. down to administration. Wow. Awesome. Um, okay. So, you know, we can cope with the majority of... Mm of what's going on. They're in agricultural testing. Right. Um, so, yeah, although we do work with some companies who have HR administration in-house and come mm-hmm. to us for case management and strategy. Okay. Um, but the, predominantly, they don't have any HR or wanting to change their HR. Yeah, 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 okay. I price so it's actually cheaper than an internal resource. Right, okay. Okay, so well, I said, you know, obviously a lot of my um, a lot of people I'm connected to and a lot of listeners are uh, certainly very small SMEs or SMEs who may not have that function. So, yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully, we'll be in touch with you, Susie. So, the, the website address is uh, www.breathingspacehr.co.uk. Perfect. And you can also find us on LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, Susie Bogle, just you know. Yeah, I'll, I'll, link all the, I'll link all this in the in the uh, podcast episode as well, so you can so people can get access to all of that. But Susie, thanks very much. That's been that's been really useful, and I'm sure has answered some questions both for employers and employees actually about about the process going forward in in what is very uncertain, crazy times still. Yeah, it is crazy times, and thank you for the opportunity. And and I've got a bit of a headache now. <laughs> Apologies, <laughs> I'm sorry for all those <laughs> random questions. <laughs> okay, Susie, thanks very much. Take care. Cheers, Paul. Thank right. you.